Chapter One of Book One of Magna Moralia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. Magna Moralia by Aristotle. Translated by St. George Stock. Chapter One since our purpose is to speak about ethics we must first inquire of what moral character is a branch to speak concisely then it would seem to be a branch of nothing else than statecraft for it is not possible to act at all in affairs of state unless one is of a certain kind to wit good now to be good is to possess the virtues if therefore one is to act successfully in affairs of state one must be of a good moral character the treatment of moral character then is as it seems a branch and starting point of statecraft and as a whole it seems to me that the subject ought rightly to be called not ethics but politics we must therefore as it seems first say about virtue both what it is and from what it comes for it is perhaps of no use to know virtue without understanding how or from what it is to arise we must not limit our inquiry to knowing what it is but extend it to how it is to be produced for we wish not only to know but also ourselves to be such and this will be impossible for us unless we know from what and how it is to be produced of course it is indispensable to know what virtue is for it is not easy to know the source and manner of its production if one does not know what it is any more than in the sciences but we ought to be aware also of what others have said before us on this subject pythagoras first attempted to speak about virtue but not successfully for by reducing the virtues to numbers he submitted the virtues to a treatment which was not proper to them for justice is not a square number after him came socrates who spoke better and further about this subject but even he was not successful for he used to make the virtues sciences and this is impossible for the sciences all involve reason and reason is to be found in the intellectual part of the soul so that all the virtues according to him are to be found in the rational part of the soul the result is that in making the virtues sciences he is doing away with the irrational part of the soul and is thereby doing away also both with passion and moral character so that he has not been successful in this respect in his treatment of the virtues after this plato divided the soul into the rational and the irrational part and in this he was right assigning appropriate virtues to each so far so good but after this he went astray for he mixed up virtue with the treatment of the good which cannot be right not being appropriate for in speaking about the truth of things he ought not to have discoursed upon virtue for there is nothing common to the two the above mentioned then have touched upon the subject so far and in the way above described the next thing will be to see what we ought to say ourselves upon the subject first of all then we must see that every science and art has an end and that too a good one for no science or art exists for the sake of evil 
since then in all the arts the end is good it is plain that the end of the best art will be the best good but statecraft is the best art so that the end of this will be the good it is about good then as it seems that we must speak and about good not without qualification but relatively to ourselves for we have not to do with the good of the gods to speak about that is a different matter and the inquiry is foreign to our present purpose it is therefore about the good of the state that we must speak but we must distinguish different meanings in the word good itself about good in what sense of the term have we to speak for the word is not univocal for good is used either of what is best in the case of each being that is what is choice-worthy because of its own nature or of that by partaking in which all other things are good that is the idea of good are we then to speak of the idea of good or not of that but of good as the element common to all goods for this would seem to be different from the idea for the idea is a thing apart and by itself whereas the common element exists in all it therefore is not identical with what is apart for that which is apart and whose nature it is to be by itself cannot possibly exist in all are we then to speak about this indwelling good surely not and why because the common element is that which is got by definition or by induction now the aim of defining is to state the essence of each thing either what good is or what evil is or whatever else it may be but the definition states that whatever thing is of such a kind as to be choice-worthy for its own sake is good in all cases and the common element in all goods is much the same as the definition and the definition says what is good whereas no science or art whatsoever states of its own end that it is good but it is the province of another art to speculate as to this for neither the physician nor the mason says that health or a house is good but that one thing produces health and how it produces it and another thing a house it is evident then that neither has statecraft to do with the common element of good for it is itself only one science among the rest and we have seen that it is not the business of any art or science to talk of this as end it is not therefore the business of statecraft any more than of any other art to speak of the common element of good corresponding to the definition but neither has it to speak of the common element as arrived at by induction why so because when we wish to show some particular good we either show by defining that the same description applies to the good and to the thing which we wish to show to be good or else have recourse to induction for instance when we wish to show that magnanimity is a good we say that justice is a good and courage is a good and so of the virtues generally and that magnanimity is a virtue so that magnanimity also is a good neither then will statecraft have to speak of the common good arrived at by induction because the same impossible consequences will ensue in this case as in that of the common good conformable to the definition for here also one will be saying that the end is good it is clear therefore that what it has to speak about is the best good and the best in the sense of 
the best for us and generally one can see that it is not the part of any one science or art to consider the question of good in general why so because good occurs in all the categories in that of substance quality quantity time relation instrument and generally in all but what is good at a given time is known in medicine by the doctor in navigation by the pilot and in each art by the expert in that art for it is the doctor who knows when one ought to amputate and the pilot when one ought to sail and in each art each expert will know the time of the good which concerns himself for neither will the doctor know the time of the good in navigation nor the pilot that in medicine it follows then from this point of view also that we have not to speak about the common good for time is common to all the arts similarly the relative good and the good which corresponds to other categories is common to all and it does not belong to any art or science to speak of what is good in each at a given time nor we may add is it the part of statecraft to speak about the common element of good our subject then is the good in the sense of the best and that the best for us perhaps when one wishes to show something one ought not to employ illustrations that are not manifest but to illustrate the obscure by the manifest and the things of mind by the things of sense for the latter are more manifest when therefore one takes in hand to speak about the good one ought not to speak about the idea and yet they think it quite necessary when they are speaking about the good to speak about the idea for they say that it is necessary to speak about what is most good and the very thing in each kind has the quality of that kind in the highest degree so that the idea will be the most good as they think possibly there is truth in such a contention but all the same the science or art of statecraft about which we are now speaking does not inquire about this good but about that which is good for us for no science or art pronounces its end to be good so that statecraft does not do so either wherefore it does not concern itself to speak about the good in the sense of the idea but it may be said one may employ this good as a first principle to start from in speaking about particular goods even this is not correct for the first principles that one assumes ought to be appropriate how absurd it would be if when one wished to show that the three angles of a triangle are equal to two right angles one were to assume as a principle that the soul is immortal for it is not appropriate and the first principle ought to be appropriate and connected as a matter of fact one can prove that the three angles of a triangle are equal to two right angles quite as well without the immortality of the soul in the same way in the case of goods one can speculate about the rest without the ideal good wherefore we declare such a good is not an appropriate principle neither was socrates right in making the virtue sciences for he used to think that nothing ought to be in vain but from the virtues being sciences he met with the result that the virtues were in vain why so because in the case of the sciences as soon as one knows the essence of a science it results that one is scientific for any one who knows the essence of medicine is forthwith a physician 
and so with the other sciences but this result does not follow in the case of the virtues for any one who knows the essence of justice is not forthwith just and similarly in the case of the rest it follows then both that the virtues are in vain and that they are not sciences chapter two now that we have settled these points let us try to say in how many senses the term good is used for goods may be divided into the honourable the praiseworthy and potencies by the honourable i mean such a thing as the divine the more excellent for instance soul intellect the more ancient the first principle and so on for those things are honourable which attract honour and all such things as these are attended with honour virtue then also is a thing that is honourable at least when some one has become a good man in consequence of it for already such a one has come into the form of virtue other goods are praiseworthy as virtues for praise is bestowed in consequence of the actions which are prompted by them others are potencies for instance office wealth strength beauty for these are things which the good man can use well and the bad man ill wherefore such goods are called potencies goods indeed they are for everything is judged by the use made of it by the good man not by that of the bad and it is incidental to these same goods that fortune is the cause of their production for from fortune comes wealth and also office and generally all the things which rank as potencies the fourth and last class of goods is that which is preservative and productive of good as exercise of health and other things of that sort but goods admit of another division to wit some goods are everywhere and absolutely choice-worthy and some are not for instance justice and the other virtues are everywhere and absolutely choice-worthy but strength and wealth and power and the like are not so everywhere nor absolutely again take another division some goods are ends and some are not for instance health is an end but the means to health are not ends and wherever things stand in this relation the end is always better for instance health is better than the means to health and without exception always and universally that thing is better for the sake of which the rest are again among ends themselves the complete is always better than the incomplete a complete good is one the presence of which leaves us in need of nothing an incomplete good is one which may be present while yet we need something further for instance we may have justice and yet need many things besides but when we have happiness we need nothing more this then is the best thing of which we are in search which is the complete end the complete end then is the good and end of goods the next point is how we are to look for the best good is it itself to be reckoned in with other goods surely that is absurd for the best is the final end and the final end roughly speaking would seem to be nothing else than happiness and happiness we regard as made up of many goods so that if in looking for the best you reckon in itself also it will be better than itself because it is itself the best thing 
for instance take the means to health and health and raise the question which is the best of all these the answer is that health is the best if then this is the best of all it is also better than itself so that an absurdity ensues perhaps then this is not the way in which we ought to look for the best are the other goods then to be separated from it is not this also absurd for happiness is composed of certain goods but to raise the question whether a given thing is better than its own components is absurd for happiness is not something else apart from these but just these but perhaps the right method of inquiry may be by comparison of the best somewhat as follows i mean by comparing happiness itself which is made up of these goods with others which are not contained in it but the best of which we are now in search is not of a simple nature for instance one might say that wisdom is the best of all goods when they are compared one by one but perhaps this is not the way in which we ought to seek for the best good for it is the complete good whereof we are in search and wisdom by itself is not complete it is not therefore the best in this sense nor in this way of which we are in search chapter three after this then goods admit of another division for some goods are in the soul for instance the virtues some in the body for instance health beauty and some outside of us wealth office honour and such like of these those in the soul are best but the goods in the soul are divided into three wisdom virtue and pleasure now we come to happiness which we all declare to be and which seems in fact to be the final good and the most complete thing and this we maintain to be identical with doing well and living well but the end is not single but twofold for the end of some things is the activity and use itself for instance of sight and the using is more choice-worthy than the having for the using is the end for no one would care to have sight if he were destined never to see but always to have his eyes shut and the same with hearing and the like when then a thing may be both used and had the using is always better and more choice-worthy than the having for the use and exercise are the end whereas the having is with a view to the using next then if one examines this point in the case of all the arts he will see that it is not one art that makes a house and another that makes a good house but simply the art of house-building and what the house-builder makes that same thing his virtue enables him to make well similarly in all other cases chapter four after this then we see that it is by nothing else than soul that we live virtue is in the soul we maintain that the soul and the virtue of the soul do the same thing but virtue in each thing does that well of which it is the virtue and among the other functions of the soul it is by it we live it is therefore owing to the virtue of the soul that we shall live well but to live well and do well we say is nothing else than being happy being happy then and happiness consist in living well and living well is living in accordance with the virtues this then is the end and happiness 
and the best thing happiness therefore will consist in a kind of use and activity for we found that where there was having and using the use and exercise are the end now virtue is a habit of the soul and there is such a thing as the exercise and use of it so that the end will be its activity and use happiness therefore will consist in living in accordance with the virtues since then the best good is happiness and this is the end and the final end is an activity it follows that it is by living in accordance with the virtues that we shall be happy and shall have the best good since then happiness is a complete good and end we must not fail to observe that it will be found in that which is complete for it will not be found in a child for a child is not happy but in a man for he is complete nor will it be found in an incomplete but in a complete period and a complete period of time will be as long as a man lives for it is rightly said among the many that one ought to judge of the happy man in the longest time of his life on the assumption that what is complete ought to be in a complete period and a complete person but that it is an activity can be seen also from the following consideration for supposing some one to be asleep all his life we should hardly consent to call such a man happy life indeed he has but life in accordance with the virtues he has not and it was in this that we made the activity to consist the topic that is next about to be treated of is neither very intimately connected with our main subject nor yet quite alien from it i mean since there is as it seems a part of the soul whereby we are nourished which we call nutritive for it is reasonable to suppose that this exists at all events we see that stones are incapable of being nourished so that it is evident that to be nourished is a property of living things and if so the soul will be the cause of it but none of these parts of the soul will be the cause of nourishment to wit the rational or spirited or appetitive but something else besides these to which we can apply no more appropriate name than nutritive one might say very well has this part of the soul also a virtue for if it has it is plain that we ought to act with this also for happiness is the exercise of perfect virtue now whether there is or is not a virtue of this part is another question but if there is it has no activity for those things which have no impulse will not have any activity either and there does not seem to be any impulse in this part but it seems to be on a par with fire for that also will consume whatever you throw in but if you do not throw anything in it has no impulse to get it so it is also with this part of the soul for if you throw in food it nourishes but if you fail to throw in food it has no impulse to nourish wherefore it has no activity being devoid of impulse so that this part in no way cooperates towards happiness after this then we must say what virtue is since it is the exercise of this which is happiness speaking generally then virtue is the best state but perhaps it is not sufficient to speak thus generally but it is necessary to define more clearly chapter five first then we ought to speak about the soul in which it resides 
not to say what the soul is for to speak about that is another matter but to divide it in outline now the soul is as we say divided into two parts the rational and the irrational in the rational part then there resides wisdom readiness of wit philosophy aptitude to learn memory and so on but in the irrational those which are called the virtues temperance justice courage and such other moral states as are held to be praiseworthy for it is in respect of these that we are called praiseworthy but no one is praised for the virtues of the rational part for no one is praised for being philosophical nor for being wise nor generally on the ground of anything of that sort nor indeed is the irrational part praised except in so far as it is capable of subserving or actually subserves the rational part moral virtue is destroyed by defect and excess now that defect and excess destroy can be seen from moral instances but we must use what we can see as an illustration of what we cannot see for one can see this at once in the case of gymnastic exercises if they are overdone the strength is destroyed while if they are deficient it is so also and the same is the case with food and drink for if too much is taken health is destroyed and also if too little but by the right proportion strength and health are preserved the same is the case with temperance and courage and the rest of the virtues for if you make a man too fearless so as not even to fear the gods he is not brave but mad but if you make him afraid of everything he is a coward to be brave then a man must not either fear everything or nothing the same things then both increase and destroy virtue for undue and indiscriminate fears destroy and so does the lack of fear about anything at all and courage has to do with fears so that moderate fears increase courage courage then is both increased and destroyed by the same things for men are liable to this effect owing to fears and the same holds true of the other virtues chapter six in addition to the preceding virtue may also be determined by pleasure and pain for it is owing to pleasure that we commit base actions and owing to pain that we abstain from noble ones and generally it is not possible to achieve virtue or vice without pain and pleasure virtue then has to do with pleasures and pains the word ethical or moral virtue is derived as follows if etymology has any bearing upon truth as perhaps it has from ethos comes ethos and so moral virtue is called ethical as being attained by practice whereby it is evident that no one of the virtues of the irrational part springs up in us by nature for nothing that is by nature becomes other by training for instance a stone and heavy things in general naturally go downwards if any one then throws them up repeatedly and tries to train them to go up all the same they never would go up but always down similarly in all other such cases chapter seven after this then as we wish to say what virtue is we must know what are the things that there are in the soul they are these 
feelings, capacities, states, so that it is evident that virtue will be some one of these. Now, feelings are anger, fear, hate, regret, emulation, pity, and the like, which are usually attended by pain or pleasure. Capacities are those things in virtue of which we are said to be capable of these feelings. For instance, those things in virtue of which we are capable of feeling anger or pain or pity and so on. States are those things in virtue of which we stand in a good or bad relation to these feelings. For instance, towards being angered, if we are angry over much, we stand in a bad relation towards anger. Whereas, if we are not angry at all where we ought to be, in that case also we stand in a bad relation towards anger. The mean state, then, is neither to be pained over much, nor to be absolutely insensible. When, then, we stand thus, we are in a good disposition, and, similarly, as regards other like things. For good temper and gentleness are in a mean between anger and insensibility to anger similarly in the case of boastfulness and mock humility for to pretend to more than one has shows boastfulness while to pretend to less shows mock humility the mean state then between these is truthfulness chapter eight similarly in all other cases for this is what marks the state to stand in a good or bad relation towards these feelings and to stand in a good relation towards them is neither to incline towards the excess nor towards the defect the state then which implies a good relation is directed towards the mean of such things in respect of which we are called praiseworthy whereas that which implies a bad relation inclines towards excess or defect since then virtue is a mean of these feelings and the feelings are either pains or pleasures or impossible apart from pain or pleasure, it is evident from this that virtue has to do with pains and pleasures. But there are other feelings, as one might think, in the case of which the vice does not lie in any excess or defect, for instance, adultery and the adulterer. The adulterer is not the man who corrupts free women too much, but both this and anything else of the kind which is comprised under the pleasure of intemperance whether it be something in the way of excess or of defect, is blamed. Chapter 9 After this, then, it is perhaps necessary to have it stated what is opposed to the mean, whether it is the excess or the defect, for to some means the defect is opposed, and to some the excess. For instance, to courage, it is not rashness, which is the excess that is opposed but cowardice which is the defect and to temperance which is a mean between intemperance and insensibility to pleasures it does not seem that insensibility which is the defect is opposed but intemperance which is the excess but both are opposed to the mean excess and defect for the mean is in defect of the excess and in excess of the defect Hence it is that prodigals call the liberal illiberal, while the illiberal call the liberal prodigals, and the rash and headlong call the brave cowards, while cowards call the brave headlong and mad. 
there would seem to be two reasons for our opposing the excess or the defect to the mean either people look at the matter from the point of view of the thing itself to see which is nearer to or further from the mean for instance in the case of liberality whether prodigality or illiberality is further from it for prodigality would seem more to be liberality than illiberality is illiberality then is further off but things which are further distant from the mean would seem to be more opposed to it from the point of view then of the thing itself the defect presents itself as more opposed but there is also another way to wit those things are more opposed to the mean to which we have a greater natural inclination for instance we have a greater natural inclination to be intemperate than sober in our conduct the tendency therefore occurs rather towards the things to which nature inclines us and the things to which we have a greater tendency are more opposed and our tendency is towards intemperance rather than towards sobriety so that the excess of the mean will be the more opposed for intemperance is the excess in the case of temperance what virtue is then has been examined for it seems to be a mean of the feelings so that it will be necessary for the man who is to obtain credit for moral character to observe the mean with regard to each of the feelings for which reason it is a difficult matter to be good for to seize the mean in anything is a difficult matter for instance any one can draw a circle but to fix upon the mean point in it is hard and in the same way to be angry indeed is easy and so is the opposite of this but to be in the mean is hard and generally in each of the feelings one can see that what surrounds the mean is easy but the mean is hard and this is the point for which we are praised for which reason the good is rare since then virtue has been spoken of we must next inquire whether it is possible of attainment or is not but as socrates said to be virtuous or vicious does not rest with us to come about for if he says one were to ask any one whatever whether he would wish to be just or unjust no one would choose injustice similarly in the case of courage and cowardice and so on always with the rest of the virtues and it is evident that any who are vicious will not be vicious voluntarily so that it is evident that neither will they be voluntarily virtuous such a statement is not true for why does the lawgiver forbid the doing of wrong acts and bid the doing of right and virtuous ones and why does he appoint a penalty for wrong acts if one does them and for right acts if one fails to do them yet it would be absurd to legislate about those things which are not in our power to do but as it seems it is in our power to be virtuous or vicious again we have evidence in the praise and blame that are accorded for there is praise for virtue and blame for vice but praise and blame are not bestowed upon things involuntary so it is evident that it is equally in our power to do virtuous and vicious acts they used also to employ some such comparison as this in their desire to show that vice is not voluntary for why they say when we are ill or ugly does no one blame us for things of this sort but this is not true for we do blame people for things of this sort 
when we think that they themselves are the causes of their being ill or of their having their body in a bad state on the assumption that there is voluntary action even there it seems then that there is voluntariness in being virtuous and vicious chapter ten one can see this still more clearly from the following considerations every natural kind is given to begetting a being like itself i e plants and animals for both are apt to beget and they are given to beget from their first principles for instance the tree from the seed for this is a kind of principle and what follows the principles stands thus as are the principles so is what comes from the principles this can be seen more clearly in matters of geometry for there also when certain principles are assumed as are the principles so are what follow the principles for instance if the triangle has its angles equal to two right angles and the quadrilateral to four then according as the triangle changes so does the quadrilateral share in its changes for it is convertible and if the quadrilateral has not its angles equal to four right angles neither will the triangle have its angles equal to two right angles chapter eleven so then and in the like way with this is it in the case of man for since man is apt to produce being he tends to produce the actions which he does from certain principles how else could it be for we do not say that any of the things without life acts nor any other of the things with life except men it is evident then that man is the begetter of his acts since then we see that the acts change and we never do the same things and the acts have been brought into being from certain principles it is evident that since the acts change the principles from which the acts proceed also change as we said in our comparison was the case with geometrical properties now the principle of an act whether virtuous or vicious is purpose and wish and all that accords with reason it is evident then that these also change but we change in our actions voluntarily so that the principle also purpose changes voluntarily so that it is plain that it will be in our power to be either virtuous or vicious perhaps then some one may say since it is in my power to be just and good if i wish i shall be the best of all men this of course is not possible why so because in the case of the body it is not so either for if one wishes to bestow attention upon his body it does not follow that he will have the best body that any one has for it is necessary not merely for attention to be bestowed but also for the body to be beautiful and good by nature he will then have his body better but best of all men no and so we must suppose it to be also in the case of soul for he who wills to be best will not be so unless nature also be presupposed better however he will be end of chapter eleven of book one recording in memory of mitchell edwards